The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Today, we're going to hear how Brad Sharon refounded the protein brand Aloha. I love Aloha brand protein bars. I'm not even paid by them or anything. Like I know the brand. I'm definitely familiar. I'm a protein bar junkie. So I'm super excited to have Brad on with us. He's the CEO at Aloha, which is an employee-owned and operated certified B Corp committed to the healthiest, best-tasting plant-based protein products on the planet. Crazy story how their dispersed workforce and they like everything against the grain, they're going to do it. Aloha product portfolio includes protein bars, protein drinks, protein powders. They're USA, organic, non-GMO, project verified, soy-free, all the stuff that makes them super healthy, which is why they've been very successful. So I can't wait to dive into this brand, how it's been successful. So today, Brad and I are going to discuss rebuilding the Aloha Brad. All right, let's get into it. What's up, man? Hey, Scotty. How are you? Oh, so good. So good. Okay. I mean, Man, you were telling me how big a company you were, which it actually wasn't that big, but like the brand's huge. I've definitely heard of it. You've taken the protein bars by storm kind of world. I mean, that's hard to do. And when you're battling shelf space and large budgets and big brands and Nestle and some of the biggest packaged food companies in the world, like how the hell did you do that? Yeah, well, it's not a big, big challenge. And, you know, why go at it, right? So let's just design, let's just go after the most competitive category in the store. Let's go after <laughs> the biggest companies in the world who are really professional. They have incredible scale. They've been doing it for 50 to 100 years. And let's go try to be an upstart in this category. It sounds incredibly foolish, and it is. It's a miracle some days I wake up and say, look, we're in a really good, strong position. We're the largest independent company. You mentioned we're employee-owned. That's got a lot to do with, with the people who are, who are spending their time making it happen, who are committed to the mission. Like you said, we're a B Corp. We very much believe in that and everything that that stands for. I'm not done with my certifications. There's things I want to do on climate. There's things I want to do on sustainability in the food world that I think are are just just consumer-oriented. They're just thoughtful. But the product tastes good. I mean, and this is in a huge space. You know, plant-based protein is like $15 billion. So you got a lot to play for. you got protein bars itself are like $6 billion domestically. A lot to play for. Heavily fragmented categories, a lot to play for. And so, 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 but the product just tastes good. And so we get very, very heavy, re, heavy repeat. And that's, if you're a marketer, you know, starting with a good product is critical. And then it comes down to how are you telling the story? Okay. What the hell is a B Corp? 
<laughs> a B Corp. Yeah, I had to learn about this. Um, <laughs> I feel stupid. I don't know what that is. No, it's it's cool. I don't. There's so many things I don't know. Fortunately, I live in a house of all women, and my, my daughters, <laughs> my wife, just tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, and they're right. They're right. I'm wrong, and I've just gotten used to saying that, and so that's part of my therapy. Scott, you're enjoying it, Scott. <laughs> a B Corp is a uh, you know in our case it's a public benefit corporation. So we changed our corporate charter in Delaware to authentically reorient the company as a balance between profit and purpose. Uh, you know, we are not a, a corporation. We are not only after the almighty buck. We are certainly for profit because some companies, or they think they, some people come into the, uh, the idea, Scott, saying, if I want to do good, I, I have to almost treat myself like a nonprofit. I have to be only for the cause. And my point of view is, is really that by being a good business, you are able to do more for the causes in which you believe in and espouse. And so the public benefit corporation framework really helps us do that in a big way. But we, we went so far as to change our governance structures to authentically live the mission. Wow. So how old's the company? How big is the company? Help us understand the scale. And even we're at one point to where you've grown today. Just help maybe us marketer nerdy number people understand kind of how big you are, where you've been, where you're going, what the growth well, is Well, like. geez, I'm... <laughs> I mean, big categories. I'll, I'll be as big as the consumer lets me be. What's nice is that we've, you know, we've grown 100%. We've doubled the size of our company the last three years in a row. We're a profitable enterprise, which I think is important for a lot of reasons. One is it shows that your business model is sustainable, which goes to the point I just made about how you live the vision. And the second is you're not beholden to other people. I don't have to go and spend all my effort and energy on raising money or justifying losses. I can spend money on the consumer, on the product, on the brand, on the people, on the partners, on the suppliers, on the vendors, on the retailers. I can spend all my time and energy on the people that really matter in terms of pushing and propelling the business forward. So we're, you know, we're now a top five brand in wow. some retail accounts. And you think about the big players who I have great respect for. I've worked with some of them. I've worked for some of them. You know, Kind Bars, Cliff Bars, RX Bars, uh, Quest. Uh, if you look at the drink space, people like Orgain, uh, people like Garden of Life. I mean, there's just, there's a number of great brands and companies in the space because the consumer is motivated for all in, all kinds of purposes. It's, it goes back to your kind of your CPG training. I was trained up at PepsiCo back mm -hmm. in the day, and I interned yep. at Procter and Gamble. I was born in Cincinnati. My father was a brand manager in Cincinnati uh, back in the in the seventies. The kind of C's and P's of how great brands are built, and, and if you kind of focus on the fundamentals of what a good cor kind of corporation is or what good business is, it goes back to that 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 product reasonably, and so that's kind of where we we've spent the energy in refounding the company as you as you identified in the the introduction. This company had existed before Brad Sharon. It was a internet-based marketplace mm. for health and wellness. And it was a cautionary tale and raising a bunch of money, setting huge expectations and not executing well. And consequently, they had a really nice idea, but a nice idea poorly executed is a bad idea. Mm. And so it failed. And so bringing that back as a refounder, bringing it back from the dead, I focused on the product right away and kind of from that good starting spot means you can you can start to have a meaningful conversation with the consumer. Wow. So you certainly have the CPG background and acumen come from the Pepsi world as well. And that kind of trained me in CPG marketing. Our old CEO was from P&G and Dial. So know the ways, but 
what I first heard from you was really more about it to be successful in the protein bar space. I mean, taste number number one, it, it has to taste good. And for you guys, it sounds like the company ethos is you actually give a shit about people and the environment and doing good so much so you change the whole corporation. So is it having that CPG marketing excellence kind of background and execution background with doing the right thing for the consumer and being about the right things and having great taste? Is that the formula that I'm hearing? Look, I'm I mean, it's more detailed and complicated than that. But. No, but no, you, look, your summary, I think, is right in, in, in a lot of ways, Scott. I mean, the hip pocket skills of what CPG teaches you. I mean, look, mm-hmm. you and I have been, both been through it. It's drilled into you. Uh-huh. This is the way to build it. This is the way to write the brief. This is the way the product gets brought to market. This is the, like, chip, 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 chip. It's the machine. Yeah. And so I learned the machine. I also learned I didn't want to be a part of the machine. But that's also an important lesson. I respect it immensely. But there's the other side of it, which is the founding side of it, which is the passion side of it in terms of going off and doing things for the consumer in mind and being comfortable failing, knowing you have a good thesis and theory to go after it. And that constant iteration that gets talked about in bigger companies, but they're really just not built for that. And we are built for that. You add in the employee ownership element is that everything is personal and you're really your brand and your employees and the public perception of your brand is innately tied back to the people working in it. Oh, and by the way, the incentive structure is such that that when it works, the, the employees are incentivized. It's, it's truly sweat equity in that regard. But no, I, I mean, the CPG operating mindset means that, look, we make mistakes. We just don't make stupid ones. And that background really has been the, the framework for being able to go in, into decisions that are somewhat murky or amorphous, but going in with the, the confidence to make sure that you're just not doing something that's insane. Okay, so I really like what I'm hearing because a lot of times I hear people who get a little out there and, and maybe at times I've been accused of this where it's like the brand ethos of caring for the environment and caring for people and being a good corporate citizen and employee-owned companies and all the things that make great growing companies in, in competitive categories. And that's the competitive edge. But a lot of times people do these things and have these things and, and have these idealistic point of view about how to be successful in a category by being different than call it the corporate man or the corporate company, but they don't have the executional sense and some of the things that help you become competitive in a category. So having the great things about really good, large CPG marketing corporations, but yet also having the great things that give you a competitive edge against those kind of companies. It seems like you have the right mix of both of those. And a lot of times I see clients that I have, you know, Fortune 500 clients who obviously lean on the corporation side, which operational excellence, distribution, big marketing budgets, keen understanding of consumer drivers and, and path to purchase and all that stuff, but don't have the the heart. And then these very big heart organizations who don't have the distribution the budgeting structure, the really thoughtfulness of marketing strategy. It seems like you're balancing both of those. Is that correct? Or am I, am we, I, we I cert- no, no, you no, you articulated it perfectly. We, we, well, that's our goal. Like we try, we try to balance profit and purpose, like the B Corp says. And, you know, I'm a big believer in sustainable business models. I mean, look, if you're a company in 2023 coming up here and debt is expensive, private equity companies are very focused on on making good bets, better bets. There's a lot less people throwing out free money 
than there was before. And there's a lot more scrutiny on what a good financial income statement is. And if you're the CEO of a company like that, you need to show enough financial ac acumen and operational acumen to prove to more discerning investors, let alone strategics, by the way, but more discerning investors about why you're a safer bet. Mm. You know, they still want scale. They still want to grow. They still want great stories. They still want differentiation. Like I do too. But I think we are a company designed to win in macroeconomic uncertainty. Because, like you said, we, my whole team, we've seen things before. Like, look, I'm 44 years old. Like, I'm not this, trust me, and I feel much older. Uh, and I play hockey in, like I'm 65 now, which is just disappointing. And a lot of stuff, we need a whole new podcast to talk about my inequities. Um, but, like, we're just, like, we've seen things. Sustainable businesses, for me, are ones that really can be, be focused on the KPIs. They can focus on repeat customer rate. They can poke, you know, the number one thing in a retail store is what? It's velocity. It's a unit mm -hmm. per store per week. When mm -hmm. I look at DTC, I want to look at my CAC and LTV. I don't want to buy the consumer. Do you remember the old Columbia Record House CDs back in the 80s and 90s? I mean, I, I'm like, I'm dating myself, but you got 10 CDs for a penny or for a dollar or something. And then they yeah, sucked you in for yeah, two years. Yeah, like, yep, yep. Yeah, so so like, I'm not doing, I'm not going to sell you as Aloha 10 bars for a dollar and think that that's a high value, high value, like value customer. It's not. I also don't like raising money. I feel dirty. It pisses me off to ask, like, ask you, please, sir, may I have some dollars, please? <laughs> and so, like, we're focused on sustainable businesses. That means, like, tortoise, not the hare. That means we have an income statement that's real numbers. We quote our numbers. We have KPIs. We're on track to scale to, to more than $100 million in sales. And you don't get to that size without being operationally really buttoned up, especially being less than 20 people in the whole company. And so that's what a sustainable business is right now in 2023, knowing that there's just more roller coasters ahead for us as a country, as a, in a category. And so I want to be built to last. Like, what is that? Is that Ford? Like Ford Tough? Like built to last. You yeah. Know, well, I want to built to last. You know, I think Jim Collins has a book about it as well, Built to Last, which I love. I couldn't agree more. I'm so tired of the private equity world and the the shortcuts that don't work in the long run. And I think the economy that we're going into, certainly Built to Last companies and companies built with the exact way you're talking about are going to be in a great position. The question I want to ask you for those marketers out there, and you talked about not making big mistakes. And I'm a big believer, and I've seen a, the insight time and time again on this podcast around making big bets that pay off in a major way, especially for, for marketers. What would you say are some mistakes that are ones that absolutely needed to be, that need to be avoided for, for our marketers out there, our CEOs out there, our entrepreneurs out there, our hustlers out there? Because we're going to want to make big bets, but not stupid ones, I think you said. What is yeah, that? Yeah, not mean? silly ones. Yeah. If I had, you know, I'd be a much better, better I'd be much richer, much better looking, but much better. If I could answer that question in a, in a more educated way. <laughs> yeah, let me load it up for you. I mean, let's just, let's just make sure we, to the audience to set their expectations really well for my answer. Yeah, I, I mean, let's go back to product. If you really aren't third party, like if you can't, can't look at your product as a third party, as a real consumer does, if you're looking at it with rose-colored glasses mm. and you're not looking at any, the, finding any chinks in your own armor, it's going to be found out for you. And that goes to also the internal margins of things. Like if you don't have good operating margins, it's out there now. Everyone's talking about it. If your company doesn't have good product operating margins, like good luck. 
because mm-hmm. the days of funding your way through someone else's money to growth for the near term and probably the medium term, I think are kind of over. So going in and looking sure, does it really taste as good? Are my macronutrients as good as I can make them for the holistic proposition? Do I have the right third-party certifications? It's like giving yourself a nickname. No one believes it until someone else does it. That's why I believe in USD Organic. It's the highest quality certification that you can make in the U.S. here. I believe in the non-project verified, uh, non-GMO project verified. Whole Foods believes in it, I believe. You know, I'm interested in climate neutral. I'm interested in gluten-free. You know, I'm interested in, in those kind of things that consumers care about. And then obviously you have to be respectful and knowledgeable of your competition. Like there's a, mm-hmm. there's a limited set in the store. Uh, there's limited consumer dollars. You know, I love playing in the categories that are multi-note. They're not just one note. Like my, my, the worst thing, Scott, like I told you before, I don't read marketing books or business books, mainly because I'm not smart enough to understand them, but really because like, I don't like one note characters. Like if I know what's yeah. going to happen on page 10, it pisses me off and I stop reading the book and then I feel like a failure because I didn't finish the book. It's every Gladwell book I've ever read. Yeah. 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 So like, and I haven't read one. I just, I wasn't smart enough in school. I just know how to stop the talk. <laughs> I'm not either. Um, There's a lot of bullshit. You're hundred percent correct. Yeah. So, so like, that's like at the end of the day, I would just say that in summary to your, your smart question, I'm going to give a dumb, dumb answer is you have to be self-aware enough to know where your weaknesses are. Yep. Because otherwise you will be exploited. And there's nothing worse than getting three steps down the line and realize you have to go back to stage one. That is in a world of scarce resources and scarce energy. When you're a younger company, energy is one of your primary, primary fuel inputs. And it is debilitating to a company, especially as a CEO, if there's energy that's wasted on churn or on things that you could have done better if you would have been self-aware enough to identify the problem. I love that. There's two insane nuggets and i'm gonna try to repeat them not probably as articulate as you did but i think the operating margin one i think you nailed i haven't heard that on on a on a marketing podcast but i really love that i definitely took mental note there like make sure you don't have i think what you said if you don't have enough operating margin your toast especially in today's world or i may have added the toast go for it and, toast is great and the second thing of course is are you super critical to your product like a consumer would be, or do you have rose colored glasses on? Do you have that relentless pursuit of perfection with your product or your service? And are you, are you putting the, the consumer critical hat on and constantly making it better, making it better, making it better? Those two things I think are pure marketing gold. I mean, that's what I'm looking for this podcast. That's why I'm a humble brag really quick. I mean, I just got a note from our producer yesterday. We were the number one business podcast on Apple iTunes yesterday. We've been around for a month because we're not going to bullshit around. We're going to get to points. We're going to get to business points and we're going to talk about it like freaking human beings so we can do better business and get on with our day and spend more time with our family, not acting like we know what the hell we're talking about because we don't. And I think Brad gets that 100%. So here's the deal. I'm going to tease you guys. Because you know we're going to drop an episode the day after this one. And we're going to be talking with a badass CEO, which is Brad Sharon. But we're going to wrap it up right now on this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Big thanks to Brad, a CEO of Aloha, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we publish tomorrow, Brad and I are going to discuss 
applying the goalie mentality to CPG brand success. And this dude's been at Pepsi. He's been at all the big boys. I, I think I heard PNG. These are some of the best marketing people in the world. I and mean, he's going to give it to you straight. And I can't wait. Uh, but if you can't wait for our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Brad, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. Well, you'll find him on Twitter at at CBR. C-H-A-R-O-N. Visit the company website, aloha.com. I think you can figure that out. Just one show note I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to podcasts, who does? Uh, we're going to put them all up for you on the rebrandpod.com. We're going to give you episodes and summaries and all the stuff you need right there. You can subscribe to our newsletter. If you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. We get a ton every day now, and we want the best ones on here. We're weeding these out and getting the best of the best on here. But if you have one of the best of the best, apply. We want to put you on. Of course, you can reach us on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all the stuff, Instagram. I think we're even on TikTok. We'll see how long TikTok's going to be in the US. Could be another topic. I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, SharkyAZ. We'll see if we'll uh, fire Elon Musk or not. But uh, you can also find me on all the other stuff. Just Scott Harkey on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the stuff. Please subscribe if you haven't yet, if you actually want to and want our stuff. Here's the deal. We just post a daily stream every day during the work week. It's pretty easy. So you subscribe and you want it, it's there. And then you can choose, do you want to listen to us or do you want to listen to how I built this? I don't know. Hopefully it's us. So again, hit that subscribe button, make it super easy. And remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 